Good morning. Today we move on to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, which is a continuation of Paul's teaching on Christian liberty. Paul stated at the end of chapter 8 that, quote, If food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat. That was an absolute standard for Paul. He would not do anything that caused his brother to stumble. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 12, Paul will answer a potential objection to this conviction. It's not entirely clear what the objection was, but it probably consisted in the Corinthians making a distinction between themselves and Paul. They may have claimed that Paul had to limit himself in this way because of his position as an apostle, and that they possessed a greater freedom than he had. What Paul will reveal is that he was just as free as they were, and his conviction was not the consequence of his position, but was instead rooted in his desire to build up his brothers and proclaim the gospel. Listen as I read 1 Corinthians 9, verses 1 through 12. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of our Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for the oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Paul begins by stating what he has a right to. The point is he is making is that he possesses Christian liberty, but chooses to limit that liberty for the sake of the gospel. He asks four questions which shows the extent of his liberty. He's not bragging, but he is showing the fullness of his experience with Christ. He says, am I not free? Of course he is free, because all Christians have been freed through Christ. He asks, am I not an apostle? As an apostle, he is not only free, he possesses authority from God. It is often the case that the more power and influence a person possesses, the more they feel entitled to do whatever they want to do. He asks then, have I not seen the Lord? This puts Paul in an extremely privileged position. And then he asks, are you not my workmanship in the Lord? Paul had been used mightily by God, especially in the life of the Corinthians. In verse 2, he states that they of all people know this about him. Others may doubt his apostleship, but they know it to be true. Having established these facts about himself, Paul then asks a series of questions to demonstrate that he is free. Remember that Paul's motives or character is in some way being called into question, and he wants to show that his motives for restricting his own freedoms are based solely on his desire to see the gospel move forward. He first asks if he is free to eat and drink. This would certainly include eating meat sacrificed to idols. The answer is clearly yes. 
Paul was free to eat and drink. He then asks if he is free to take a believing wife. The brothers of Christ and Peter had wives, so it stands to reason that Paul had that right as well. He then asks if he is free to work for a living. Clearly, he believes that he is free to work for a living. Paul then gives a series of examples to prove his point. Soldiers don't serve at their own expense. The government pays to sustain its military, and soldiers earn their pay through their work. He then says that the one who plants a vineyard has a right to eat of the fruit of his labor. And then he says that those who tend to flocks have a right to some of the milk. Paul was a master at anticipating and answering an objection. Paul has established that he is free and as such has certain rights. This is really what it boils down to. The people at Corinth wanted their individual rights to be honored no matter the effect it had on the community. To be fair, this may have been based to a certain extent on ignorance, but nonetheless they wanted to be free to do whatever they wanted to do. The objection he seems to anticipate would be something like this. On what authority do you make these claims to freedom? That is why he asks, do I say these things on human authority? Paul claims that his authority is divinely mandated. What he will quote now comes from the law of Moses. Do not muzzle the ox. When the ox is hungry, it needs to be allowed to feed. Paul will, not, will now reveal that this command really isn't about the oxen at all. It refers to all of those who labor. Those who labor ought to receive the pay their labor deserves. The law of Moses also reveals that the one who plows and the one who threshes ought to receive a share of the crop. That is only right. But now Paul will turn a corner and reveal that he has a right to demand a lot from the Corinthians. Paul states that since he sowed spiritual things among them, he has a right to demand material compensation from them. Remember, these are people who are intent to have their every desire met, and they were unwilling to give up their rights, even if it harmed their neighbor. Paul says, this is my right amongst you. He then says that if this is true of others, it is truer of himself. In the normal course of life, those who work ought to be rewarded. Since what Paul brought had incalculable value, he could place a greater demand on the Corinthians. In the normal course of life, workers are paid for their labor. But Paul did not demand that from the Corinthians. Here is what Paul is getting at. He says, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. He could have demanded a lot from the Corinthians, but instead he endured whatever he needed to endure. Paul certainly suffered hardship and had to work extra hard. He was not only doing the work of ministry, he was also trying to support himself. Why did he do it? He did not want to put any obstacle in the way of the gospel. And so Paul would refrain from eating if eating meat sacrificed to an idol would cause his brother to stumble. And Paul refrained from making demands upon the Corinthians because he didn't want to put any obstacle in the way of the gospel. The questions for us then are simple. Following through is difficult. Are we willing to give up what is most precious to us if holding on to it puts an obstacle in the way of the gospel? Another question, what right are you unwilling to relinquish 
even if letting it go would make you a more effective witness for Christ. That was Paul's standard, and he asks the same for us. Today I will pray for our grammar school, and I haven't recommended a hymn in a while, so today I encourage you to go to the GSB Morning Devotion Hymns and listen to My Jesus, I Love Thee. Join me as we pray. Father, we are grateful for the grace that you have shown. We are grateful for uh, men like Paul who gave up of themselves for our sake. And Father, I pray that we would be the same kind of people, that we would not hold so tightly onto our rights, but rather we would relinquish them for the good of your kingdom and for your glory. We saw that earlier in the Philippians passage where that is what Christ did for us. He did not hold on tightly to the rights that he had as God, but rather gave those up for a time so that he might redeem us. Help us be the same kind of people. Father, we pray today for our grammar school. We pray for the teachers, the students, the parents, the administration. We pray that you would bless them in their work, that these students would be equipped, that they would grow in knowledge and in grace and be the people that you've created them in Christ Jesus to be. And we pray this in your name. Amen.